Hey, welcome back to Hit the Court Breaking Point series. My name is Josh Chan, a former national junior tennis player, former member of the Harper Men's Tennis Team, and current coach to competitive junior players. Uh, today, we're going to talk about things that I would have done uh, to prepare myself for college tennis if I could go back in time, if that was a possibility. Um, and so one of the things that uh, we're going to do, we're just going to dive right in. Um, I know on the previous podcast, I talked about how uh, I was going to talk a little bit about uh, how you needed to take better care of yourself. I'm going to say that for another episode. Uh, so today we're just going to dive right in. Uh, there's going to be five things I'm going to be talking about. Uh, the first one being focusing on strength, conditioning, flexibility. Number two, um, filming and watching myself play more matches and play more points. Number three, working on how to stay calm. Number four, setting goals to play pro tennis. And number five, studying the fundamentals of the game a little bit more. And I'm going to go into detail uh, for each one because those sound fairly elementary, but I'm going to connect uh, why uh, those topics are so important to uh, to college tennis. And ultimately what I'm trying to say is these are the things I would have done uh, to help increase my chances of being successful in college tennis. So the first one being focusing on strength, conditioning, and flexibility. Um, I bring this up as number one at the top because uh, I will never forget that within the first month of being on the Harvard men's tennis team, I injured myself. And it was actually in the middle of a conditioning test that we do, that that we that we were doing. It was um, the conditioning test is called Dominators. Essentially, you run five yards, you run back. You run ten yards, you run back. You run fifteen yards, you run back. And you're supposed to do it under um, a certain amount of time. For us, it was thirteen seconds, and you get a thirty second break in, in between each set. And so you had to do this twenty one times in order to pass. And uh, I was trying to, and, and don't get me wrong, I was actually working very hard to pass this conditioning test because we knew as freshmen before joining the team and going to school, we knew this was coming. So I'd actually worked pretty hard that summer uh, to to increase my chances of passing the test. And um, and one of the runs, uh, my teammate was helping me out, and he was just being a good friend, and he was um, he was helping me, you know, get across the finish line uh, by encouraging me, and I felt this pull in my abdominal area. Um, I was cramping a little bit and, uh, I felt this pull and I actually got hurt within the first month of, um, of college tennis. And that really affected, that really, you know, affected me and negatively impact my entire fall season for, for freshman year, because I was coming in, uh, feeling really confident. And next thing you know, I'm essentially getting benched and not able to play the fall events, which are usually individual events. And it's a perfect time for freshmen to get acquainted with the college ball. It's a very different, uh, different experience because now you're suddenly playing against guys who are maybe, you know, three, four years your senior, and you're not playing against boys. You're playing against men now, men who have been physically trained to play, you know, play at the highest level. And so I wish that I had actually spent that summer focusing more on getting stronger, focusing on my conditioning, focusing on flexibility. I, you know, going back, I would have maybe worked six days a week, taken a day off. I would have, you know, I would have done all the uh, all the all the pre workouts, the pre, um, you know, the pre routine stuff, the post uh, post workout recovery stuff. I would have done the six out of the seven days, taken a day off. And that would have greatly, greatly uh, improved my situation. And I, you know, I can't predict the future, so I don't know if that would have prevented me from pulling an abdominal muscle, but it definitely would have helped my chances. 
So that's the first thing. And, you know, just throughout my college experience, I noticed that almost every single player got hurt at some point. And usually the players who were able to recover the fastest were the ones who spent a significantly more amount of time on strength, conditioning, and flexibility. Uh, Number two, filming and watching myself play tennis more. So I think uh, at that time, back in 2009, YouTube wasn't a huge yet. It was just kind of getting started. People were, were, you know, they knew what YouTube was and not to date myself too much, but it wasn't really widely popular used yet. And in terms of, you know, in comparison, well, actually in comparison to now, the amount of tennis that you've got on the internet today on YouTube is astounding and the quality is superb. In comparison to back in 2009, it was a mess. So, uh, but per, but you know, that doesn't mean that, you know, filming technology wasn't out there. I should have filmed and watched myself play more. And the reason why is because I should have been a little bit more conscious about my playing style and how my shots were affecting my opponents. I know this seems kind of elementary because you're thinking, well, Josh, you know, you're a national tennis player and number three in the nation. How did you not know what you were doing? Well, there's a big difference when you come up against, Again, a different ball, as I previously described, playing against college kids is completely different. Again, you've got kids who are two, three years your senior. Um, the ball speed is faster, heavier, because it's got more spin on it. Um, the matches, they last a little bit longer back then. and um, It was a full two out of three set with add. None of that 10-point tiebreaker stuff. Um, and doubles was an eight-game pro set, not uh, with add. It was an eight-game pro set with add. So sometimes these dual matches would go on for f- you know f- three to four hours minimum. And you know if I had just watched myself play a little bit more, and I think I would have been a little bit more conscious about my shots, my shot selections. And when you're playing these types of matches, these high-level matches, essentially those sh- those those choices, the shot selection is going to it can potentially determine whether or not you win or lose because the levels are pretty much the same. So ultimately, it comes down to your choice. How are you? You know, when you when you're at forty fifteen where are you choosing to serve that first ball and how are you choosing to follow up, right? And being very conscious of it and, and, and studying it and being very professional about it would have greatly, greatly helped me succeed uh, a lot more in college tennis. Uh, number three, working to learn how to stay calm. And I say working to learn how to stay calm because uh, as humans, we, we have the basic you know, fight or flight instinct, right? And in that scenario, when we say fight or flight, notice how there isn't just a, you know, stay calm and assess the situation response, right? So inherently humans, we, we want to either run or we want to run toward, run away or run towards the, the, the danger. Uh, but in tennis, you got to have a third option. The third option is, okay, I need to calm down and I need to assess the situation. And I, cause that will allow me to make the best choice. Carlos Alcaraz has gone on record to say that he consistently works on trying to stay calm. He will play a match in the toughest situations. The first thing he's thinking about is, I need to stay calm. Now, staying calm is not being emotionless, right? There's some people who are like, well, you know, when I try to stay calm, I just don't get my energy level up. No, 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 no. Staying calm is understanding the situation and recognizing that you are about to be put under a lot of stress and that's okay. And I, and you know, being able to think through that so that you can reach the conclusion of saying, okay, this is a tough situation. I've been here before, but it's okay. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z and execute, right? And then there's the other end of the spectrum, or not the other end of the spectrum, but some people say, like, well, I try to stay calm and I just don't have the energy. Well, 
then you haven't worked on it enough, right? You haven't worked on this enough because if you don't have any energy, that means you are emotionally tied to to this idea of, well, if I pump myself up and get myself all excited and riled up, then I have the energy to go. And you want to, you don't want that. You want to disassociate yourself from, from, from those types of emotions because in tennis, there, it's, a, it's a long game and every single point requires full concentration, full amount of discipline, uh, and, and, you know, and, and your, your full attention essentially. So you want to make sure that again, you have to work to learn how to stay calm. And a couple of ways that you can do this is through, is through mental meditation. You can push yourself to recognize when you are under stress and when you are, when you are feeling like a lot of craziness is going on, you can mentally train yourself to say, stop. This is a moment where you're under a lot of stress. Time for you to calm down. And you have to force yourself to, to do this and you have to be very cognizant of it and be, and make it a priority. Uh, one, you know, I'm going to give you an example when, uh, you know, some of you may or may not know this, but I also, uh, I have a background in public health. I have a master's degree in public health from Johns Hopkins. And, uh, when COVID first came out, I signed up to, to be a COVID, um, to be a COVID screener, uh, and, and, uh, at the, uh, at the airport here, uh, in my city. And this was February of 2020. So right at the start, you know, when, when COVID was just becoming a thing and right before we shut down, um, there was mass fear on what COVID was and what it could exactly do. And so they would get us in this PPE attire. We would go out to the airplane, we'd be screening passengers and it was freaking chaos. And so in those moments, right, you, you can't panic. You can't, you can't elevate. You, gotta, you, you can't have your heart rate elevated. Otherwise, your PPE and, and your body temperature goes up. Your PPE starts fogging up. You're sweating. And suddenly you've got you know, 300, 400 people coming at you. And you're starting to panic because this is a very incredibly social situation. So in those moments, though, you have to recognize that, hey, you're, you're stressed. You're under duress. You got to calm down, take a deep breath, focus on your breathing, make sure that you're thinking about your process and what you need to do, right? These are, these are mental, uh, mental tactics that you can utilize to make sure that you stay calm, even under the most stressful circumstances. So I wish I had, uh, I had practiced that prior to college because college tennis is incredibly stressful and you'll have fans, you'll have friends, you'll have, you know, just students wandering by who are going to be talking and yelling. And I mean, geez, for one, one time we were playing against Dartmouth and this, this, this frat, frat boy brought a laser pointer to the match and was trying to shine a laser pointer at my buddy. And I mean, anybody, any, any normal human being with sense would, would have, would have been incredibly upset because you had some guy who was trying to blind him over a tennis match. But Fortunately, my buddy stayed calm. Fortunately, he was able to push through and win the match. But that's the type of craziness that could happen in a college setting. Okay, number four, uh, setting a goal to play pro tennis. I sincerely regret not setting myself a goal to play pro tennis. Uh, I was 16 at the time when I decided that I didn't want to go pro. I just wanted to play college tennis. I wanted to get my degree, get an education, move on to the next chapter of my life. Um, you know, 
when I was 16 years old, I had the uh, privilege of being able to play with some pros. I had the privilege of uh, even seeing what the pro lifestyle was like, and I didn't enjoy it at that time. But here's the problem, though. When you're playing college tennis, you need you need motivation, essentially, to push yourself to continue to improve. Um, this is incredibly important because you're essentially entering an arena where every single player is at the top of their game. And you, in order, you know, if you want to come out on top, if you want to keep your spot in the starting lineup, you have to push yourself. But you, I mean, come on, you need motivation where, you know, humans aren't perfect, right? So you got to have the motivation. And I wish that I pushed myself to want to play some pro tennis, even if I wasn't going to go pro, uh, that is the next level, right? So if I had pushed myself to say, you know what, I'm going to set myself a goal to play some future events. I'm going to see if I can, you know, qualify for a future, get into those turn, you know, make the trip to Naples, Florida, or, or, um, uh, where's that middle of nowhere, uh, Texas. Uh, but yeah, just to go travel, play those tournaments, push myself to do it. I, I would have seen my game grow. I would have seen myself grow as an individual. Um, and instead I kind of boxed my mind and my, my mentality off, uh, from the possibilities by just saying, no, I'm here for the college tennis. And I think that's, I think, I don't think that's the right, I don't think that's the right way to approach it. I think, um, you shoot a little bit higher and if you don't get it, that's fine, but it'll help you. It'll definitely help you push through and, and improve. So that's, uh, number four, why I think setting a goal to play pro tennis would have really, really helped me. And then the last one is, again, it seems elementary, but it's studying the fundamentals of the game. Uh, I grew up not really being taught the fundamentals. I grew up with coaches who would just tell me, move your feet, put the ball in play, and if you try hard enough, you're going to win. And, uh, and that was it. That was the only advice I usually ever got. And none of my coaches up until the age of 13 actually taught me fundamentals. Uh, like, how do you, how, why do you hit the forehand this way? Why is it that we want to make sure that, you know, especially for begin, this is for the record, this is for beginners. Okay, I'm not saying this is for adults, but this is for beginners. But the very basic like, of, of timing a tennis ball is when that ball comes over the net, as it's rising up across the net, you want to make sure that you're getting your racket back or racket up, depending on who you are. And then when that ball's dropping, you want to tell yourself, okay, time for you to drop the racket and go into your swing. Now, that is literally, you know, timing the ball basic 101. They teach a lot of that, you know, they teach that in Europe. Um, and uh, there's other ways to time a tennis ball that can be taught. Like you can say like, okay, as soon as you see the ball, turn your body and then, or, you know, make sure you do, you turn, you turn your shoulders, make sure you have the racket back. And then right before that ball's about to bounce, you want to tell yourself to, you know, you want to tell yourself to swing into your shot. And so you know, studying those fundamentals of the game, um, you know, I think that would have really helped me out a lot. I wish I, you know, in, in tandem with fil watching film and, you know, watching myself play more, I think I would have started asking questions such as, you know, what are the uh, angles and the dynamics of the game that I need to consider when playing at a higher level? Uh, why is it that when some players, uh, why is it that when they bring up their feet, they actually serve way harder than when they're in platform? What, what's, the, what's the reasoning behind that, Right. And I never really asked those questions, um, and it wasn't it, and it wasn't until maybe sophomore junior year when I st when I started asking those questions because uh, at the end of my sophomore year I hurt my back, and uh, we didn't have enough players on the team really to uh, allow me to take time off. So I I had a hurt back um, that I was constantly playing on, and I needed to find a way to 
to serve <laughs> without killing myself. And that's when I started to study some of the other, uh, you know, some of the best servers in the world, uh, the hottest players at the time. They're, you know, how were they serving? Um, and through that experience, it actually, I, I, you know, even though I hurt my back, um, through that experience, I learned so much about the serve. And I wish I'd just done that from the get-go. I wish I'd done that before going to college because there was just so much time, so much tennis that was essentially wasted where I could have been working on my fundamentals, where I could have been working on um, developing myself and allowing myself time to get stronger and faster and then essentially grow into that game. Um, I, I just wish that, well, I know I, I wish that we had the same amount of content that we did back then, but you know, just uh, I was just maybe a couple. It was just a couple of years too early. Uh, so, so you know, at the end of it all, if um, if you're somebody who's listening to this and you're wondering, like, oh, you know, what are some things that um, you can do to be successful at college tennis? I mean, any one of these five things I mentioned: focusing on strength and conditioning, flexibility, watching yourself play more tennis, uh, working on learning how to stay calm, setting a goal to play pro tennis, and then studying the fundamentals of the game. Any one of these five things, um, give it a try. You'll see that this will pay off in the long run. Now, these aren't the only things that uh, you can do to vastly improve your, your chances of performing well in college tennis. These aren't the only things. Uh, these are just some of the things that I personally wish I had done. Um, I know for other people, it's uh, it's other items, but this for me, this is what I you know looking back on my time and reflecting on how things could have been done differently. Hundred uh, percent, I the, these five things would have vastly improved um, my time, my experience, and uh, in college tennis, and, and just my overall game. So, anyways, thanks so much for listening. Uh, my, again, my name is Josh Chan, and I hope to uh, you know I hope you enjoyed this episode of Hit the Court uh, Breaking Point, and I hope to catch you on the next one.